Welcome, everybody. I am the Everything Enthusiast discussing episode one of the new Disney Plus series, Obi-Wan Kenobi, starring Ewan McGregor back in the titular role, reprising it after 17 years in real time since Revenge of the Sith. And it's so good to see the prequels become so loved and embraced by the fans, as well as just the general populace. You know, those movies used to get a lot of hate, but, you know, the the generation that grew up with them, now they're the ones that are the adults, and they love every bit of content that connects with them. And so it's great to see Ewan back, because for a whole generation, he is Obi-Wan. And I can't wait to see the evolution his character takes throughout this series until he inevitably becomes more like the Sir Alec Guinness take on the character. Uh, so I can't wait for that. Um, now, I'm only going to be talking about episode one of the series in this uh, installment of the podcast. I will do a follow-up where I discuss episode two. Um, so let's just go right into episode one of the series. Now, it in, in real time, it has been 17 years since Revenge of the Sith in timeline in the timeline however obi-wan takes place 10 years after revenge of the sith and the episode begins with a four to five minute recap of the prequel trilogy episodes one through three and guys the funny thing is with all the problems that the prequel trilogy has if you just take the base storyline it's amazing it's phenomenal so when they recut all these films in like trailer form, they look so much better than the movies actually are. And so it's a very powerful recap. Um, Most Star Wars fans, I think they're up to date. They probably watch Star Wars movies all the time. And I'm telling you this much, guys. The recap ends with Yoda telling, you know, telling Obi-Wan that he has training for him in order to communicate with his old master, Qui-Gon. I'm telling you, By the end of this series, we're going to see Liam Neeson back as Qui-Gon in some form. I personally hope it's as a Force ghost and not just like a voice role. But you know what? If we get Liam Neeson in any shape or form, I'll be happy. I just want to see Obi-Wan reconnect and communicate with Qui-Gon again. Um, So in this series, when we meet Obi-Wan again, he is... Of course, closed off from the force. He's a broken man and he's just on Tatooine, as you'd expect. He's watching over Luke as Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru take care of him as, you know, the end of Revenge of the Sith set up. And it's really cool, guys, because this Obi-Wan series is more or less, it's really a character study so far and it's really riveting. And the just the like little facial you know, the the emotion that Ewan McGregor is able to give just with his face, with his face and not having to say much at all. But he says so much without saying it directly, you know, it's so great to watch. He's remarkable in the role. And by the way, can I just say, even though Tatooine makes perfect sense for this Obi-Wan series, I really want Disney to move on from Tatooine and future projects. We get we just get way too much of it between this Boba Fett, Mandalorian. The whole point of Tatooine in the original trilogy is it's the planet that Luke wants to leave because it sucks. It's Tatooine. It's a sand planet. But yet all this amazing stuff is happening on it. 
we need to stop with Tatooine. Disney, I know it's cheap to film in a desert area. We need to get away from it. Anyway, uh, I digress. <laughs> but it's so cool, guys, because they really use Tatooine as sort of a uh, a way to really reflect Obi-Wan's mental state as well in this series. He's traumatized, guys, after the events of Revenge of the Sith. You know, he's lost his brother, Anakin. He feels he failed him. He's just a broken-down version of Obi-Wan. And it's sad to see, you know, and... um but there's little moments of hope in the series. There's a scene where Obi-Wan meets a Jawa named Tika. And it's revealed in the scene that this is where he gets the little like spaceship toy that Luke has in the original trilogy. And I like the little bits of world building. It's not much. It's not a big deal. But it's really sweet that this establishes that that toy is a gift from Obi-Wan to Luke. Uh, I love that little piece of world building. Um, it, it says a lot, you know, without being, uh, it, it's a little thing that's a nice gesture and it means a lot in the larger, uh, Star Wars canon. Um, now in the series, we also get Benny Safdie, who is the director of, uh, who was one of the directors of Uncut Gems. He was in the Good Time movie with Robert Pattinson. He directed that as well. And uh, he plays a Jedi who is on the run. He's being chased down by the Grand Inquisitor, who is played by Rupert Friend, uh, who I only really know uh, as uh, Hitman, Agent 47, in a bad Hitman movie. Uh, but he's very good as the Grand Inquisitor. Star Wars fans will, of course, know Grand Inquisitor as um, from, from the Rebels animated series. I have not watched Rebels, so I can't compare Rupert Friend's performance to the animated counterpart. Um, then also we get Fifth Brother. And what's so funny is that he's played by Song Kang, who is Han in the Fast and Furious movies. Justice for Han, everybody. We got it. We got Justice for Han in the Fast 9. Han is redeemed. And it's just so funny, guys, because I did not recognize him at all in the makeup for Fifth Brother. I had to look it up online. By the way, I really thought he looked a lot like Raiden from Mortal Kombat. Um, now, guys, this is probably the most negative I'm going to be in this uh, in this uh, episode. The only character I'm not buying into is Reva, and which is uh, the the third sister played by Mose Ingram. Listen, theoretically, I like the idea behind her character. I like the concept of her character. I'm just not buying into the performance. I find that Mose Ingram is, her delivery of lines is a bit too cheesy for me. Her performance is a bit over the top. It's just that, it's just, it's con, it's clashing with the rest of the series, in my opinion. Uh, the rest of the performances are so much more, like, reserved. I don't know. It's just not working for me. Hopefully, by the end of the series, I will like her better. Um, but it's a bit of a problem that I'm not buying into her because she is kind of the main antagonist right now of the series. And she's got beef, guys, with, with Obi-Wan. And we don't know why yet. My personal theory is this. In the beginning of the episode, after the recap, there's this flashback to Order 66 and these younglings. And they really focus on this one girl in that group of younglings. I believe it's going to be revealed that she is a young third sister, uh, 
and and she's grown up and she has this beef with Obi-Wan because maybe like Obi-Wan didn't save her, her group, you know, uh, that's my guess. That's just my theory though. It's speculation at this point. Uh, that and Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon take it to the bank. Those are going to happen. Now, a really cool thing in this series is that we get to see Alderaan. Of course, Alderaan blows up in A New Hope, but we've never really spent time on Alderaan. It looks really cool. It's a shame it blows up. Um, but I, you know, a nice bit of connectivity on is that we get a a ten year old Princess Leia in this series, played by Vivian Lyra Blair. And guys, listen, child actors—they're not always the best. She is amazing. This 10-year-old, this little 10-year-old absolutely nailed the essence and the whole spirit of the Princess Leia character, even down to the movements. It's honestly uncanny. And I think if Carrie Fisher were alive today, she would be very proud of what Vivian Lyra Blair has done. And listen, kid performers, especially in Star Wars, they get a lot of hate. You know, Jake Lloyd, for instance, after Phantom Menace, there was just a lot of just unnecessary, uh, unnecessary cruelty towards him. Listen, look at the adult actors having to work under George Lucas's direction. They could barely salvage it. Could you really expect this kid, Jake Lloyd, to really deliver a good performance? He did very well under the circumstances he was under. Anyway, little side rant there, I guess. Vivian Lyra Blair, amazing. And what's so cool is that Listen, one of the nice things about Obi- this Obi-Wan series is we're getting payoff uh, for stuff that was set up in, at the end of the prequels. So in this series, we get Jimmy Smith's back as Bail Organa, who, of course, you know, took Leia at the end of Revenge of the Sith. She's And uh, it's just nice to see him back getting to finally have scenes with a little Leia, you know? And um, what happens in this series, and this is what sets everything in motion, really, is that Leia gets kidnapped by Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers, which was very uh, cool for me because I love Red Hot Chili Peppers. So seeing uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers and Star Wars connect in some way was really cool. But I was also taken out of it because I was like, Flea is in Star Wars? What? Anyway, it was cool, though. And uh, so Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers kidnaps Princess Leia. And there's this really goofy scene, guys, where... um. <laughs> Uh, Flea's gang of criminals, you know, have to chase Leia through woods and for they can't capture this 10 year old girl. They can't catch up to her. And what's worse is that they're like running into trees and branches like they've never seen trees before. It is so goofy. And listen, I understand Star Wars is a dumb franchise. Ultimately, there's it's given us Jar Jar Binks. It's given us Vespas and Boba Fett. It's given a salacious crumb, Babu Frick. Listen, I understand. And and look, George Lucas and, and Disney and Lawrence Kasdan, I think, would defend that and say, listen, you can talk about all this dark, serious stuff all you want. Star Wars is really for kids at the end of the day. I get it. You can still not have criminals be so dumb that they're running into, like, trees. It borders too much on Power Rangers level for me. But I digress again. It's just funny. Um... <laughs> So Flea kidnaps Leia. This uh, sets up Bale reaching out to Obi-Wan and saying like, look, dude, I trust no one more than you to rescue my daughter. Obi-Wan, of course, he's, you know, he's very hesitant. 
he doesn't think he can save her because he couldn't save his brother Anakin. So he turns it down. And then he leaves the cave. There's this really sad scene where you see Benny Safdie's Jedi um, has been hung because, you know, there was a scene earlier in the episode where he finds Obi-Wan in the desert and he's like, yo, Juan, help me out, bro. And Obi-Wan's just like, no, go have a normal life. Bury your lightsaber in the desert, which is foreshadowing because that's what Obi-Wan does. And of course he digs it up because we all know Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan will go out and fight ultimately because that's what he does. (laughs) Um, But what's really nice is that Jimmy Smith's Bail Organa shows up to the cave afterwards and basically just says, Obi-Wan, look, you need to go rescue my daughter. You got to do it. And he's just like, Obi-Wan's just like, sure. Okay, I'll do it. And uh, really that's what sets everything in motion. There's a scene that's great, by the way. Joel Edgerton comes back as Uncle Owen which was so funny because it's it's funny how things have turned out because Joel Edgerton played Uncle Owen when he was like a no-name actor. George Lucas just happened to cast Joel Edgerton in this role. And then as fate would have it over time, Joel Edgerton would become a big actor in his own right. People love him in the movie Warrior where he acted opposite Tom Hardy as as boxers that were brothers and you know it's just really fun now because you see Joel Edgerton and you see Ewan McGregor acting opposite each other and last time we saw them like they weren't both like Ewan McGregor was established Joel Edgerton was not now we see these two guys on like equal footing and it's really cool um and he's a badass in the series guys he tells off Obi-Wan he's just like oh you think I'm gonna let you train Luke like you what about, uh, you know, Anakin, you know, what about the last time you trained his father? You know, it's, it's hard to watch, like, you know, you feel for Obi-Wan, but still Owen badass. And then right after that, instantly, there's a scene where the third sister is trying to intimidate him. He doesn't stand down. Joel Edgerton is uncle Owen. I hope we see more of him in this series. I'm sure we will. I actually believe, um, you know, if you look at the cast list, uh, the actress for Aunt Beru in the prequels are, is expected to come back as well. So there's going to be more stuff with them for sure. Um, let's see. What else is there I could talk about in this episode? Hmm. John Williams' Obi-Wan score, by the way, uh, is so fittingly uh, somber and hopeful. You know, it's nice to see after 40 years, John Williams do a score for Obi-Wan. Um you know, it, it's funny because, yeah, it's not, it hasn't always been Obi-Wan's theme, but it really feels like it has been Obi-Wan's theme all along, you know? And uh, in this series, I look forward to seeing Hayden Christensen return as Darth Vader. I'm very excited to see him delve into the psychology of Darth Vader because, you know, obviously before we only really got to see Hayden play Anakin. And yeah, I know he put on the Darth Vader suit at the end of Revenge of the Sith, but he wasn't able to really do anything with it. Like it was cool, but I can't wait to see what Hayden in the suit getting to have actual like scenes gets to do, you know? And there was a Darth Vader movement specialist on the set, which I find hilarious, that helped Hayden perfect all his little, the int- the intricacies of his Darth Vader. Um, so I can't wait for that, guys. Um, I feel like I've basically covered everything that needs to be covered, guys. So I can't wait 
to talk about episode two and a follow-up to this uh, installment of the Everything Enthusiast. Please give me a follow on Spotify, Apple, wherever you're at. And um, stay tuned for future content for me, guys. I'm having a lot of fun. This is only the fourth episode I've done in four days straight, but I'm having a blast doing this. I love talking about what I'm passionate about, and hopefully you guys can sense the excitement uh, coming, radiating out from your phone or your computer or wherever you're listening to this. And um, if it's daytime where you're at, I hope you have a, a wonderful day. If it's nighttime, I hope you have a great night. And I hope you have, and, uh, and goodbye, everybody. Love to you all.